to today's audio podcast from the Church at Bushland. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of the Church at Bushland and would like to enjoy more resources and weekly updates, we hope you will visit our website at thechurchatbushland.com or download our app by searching for The Church at Bushland in your app store. We'd love to know how this ministry is touching your life. Please take a moment to let us know how this ministry is impacting your life by emailing us at info at thechurchatbushland.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so in our app or by visiting thechurchatbushland.com. Good morning, church. How are y'all? I, uh, if you know me, yeah, I knocked the beard off. I was tired of being the homeless-looking cellist. Now I'm the homeless. I didn't want to look like the homeless preacher, rather, so... Um, no, my name is Trent Taylor. If you don't know me, I am also an elder here at the church. I'm one of the seven elders. And uh, Pastor Jeff, I just want to thank you for the opportunity uh, this morning. And, you know, as I was praying, uh, how about y'all, before we, get, before we get serious, let's just, how many of y'all are feeling older, you know, as age? I get out of bed in the morning, any morning, I'm like, what well, hurts? I've been fighting a foot issue. So, like, I bought these orthotic shoes. And they're amazing, but the problem is now I'm getting ads that I didn't ask for. So for, for example, I have one come by that says, uh, there's some Depends underwear to make sure that I leak 35% less at night. And I'm like, I don't think I'm ready for that, but the stuff about getting older. Heck, I got out of bed this morning, my shoulder hurt. I mean, what, how did I do that in my sleep? All right, well, the one thing is I was praying over this service, uh, and there was one word that just kept coming up and coming up and coming up. And in the Greek, it's aletheia. And that word is simply truth. If I were to sit with each and every single one of you, I guarantee you that you can tell me all the evil that you saw in the world this week, all the fears, all the problems, all the concerns, and how they're impacting and affecting your life. So before I go any further, I want you to think of this. How many times, if I were to sit with you, could you tell me how you saw Holy Spirit, how you saw Jesus move in your life this last week. Because it's real easy to look at the problem, but sometimes it's really hard for us to believe and to look at the truth. So how do we deal with all of these problems that we see in our culture? Well, here's the thing. I'm gonna give you a little secret. It's all the same problem. All the things that we see, they come back to one thing, and that is making any and everything God but the true God, Jesus. In Judges 21, 25, it says, in those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Let that last part set in because we live in a time where that's what people are doing. They're doing what they see what is right in their own eyes. And I wanna correct that this morning. When we remove God as the absolute authority then we have to say, we'll treat all ideas the same. But if you try to treat all ideas the same, the absolute truth of Christianity, of the word of God, is in direct conflict with everything else. And so what does culture try to do? Kick Christianity, kick God out. Heck, we've watched, we've seen what's happened in the school system since the 1960s when they kicked prayer out of schools. Has school, has the education system gotten better or worse? Nobody's gonna say better right? This morning, we're going to talk about how we take all of this back. So why did Jesus come? 
Now, if I go around the room, everybody's gonna give me an answer, and it's probably right. He came for the remission of our sins. He died on the cross so that we could have everlasting life. He died so that he could have a relationship with us, and our name could be written in the Lamb's Book of Life. All of that is true, but he also came for another reason. So I'm gonna give you a lot of scripture today. We're gonna live in the Johns. John the Gospel, John the Epistles, and 2 Timothy. But in John 18, beginning in verse 37, it says, so just kind of to tell you what's going on here, Jesus is being tried, and he's standing before Pontius Pilate. And so Pontius Pilate says to him, are you then a king? And Jesus answered, you say right, that I am a king. For this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. So what is another reason that Jesus came? To testify to the truth. Because the world had forgotten what truth is. It goes on to say, Pilate said to him, what is truth? Whew, that's a phrase that I cannot stand. And it's a phrase that is commonly used everywhere in society today. Aletheia, okay, here in West Texas, sometimes we call it Aletheia. <laughs> All right. I was trying to fix it. I can't tell you how many times I said Aletheia, Aletheia before I got in here because I didn't want to sound like a West Texas hick. There's no getting around some of it. But, but Aletheia is truth. Not merely just truth is spoken, but the truth of idea, reality, the sincerity, but truth of the moral sphere. Divine truth revealed to man, revealed to us. So when Pilate said, what is truth? That's a very demonic phrase. See, what that's saying is we're going to replace truth and we're going to inject a lie. In fact, in society, we're going to get to some of the things that people are saying and doing, but when they say, well, this is my truth, they're, they're thinking you cannot challenge that. And I want to tell you right now, if you hear nothing else in this message is that lie must be challenged if we're going to change anything and to lead anybody into a relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, the... <laughs> There's been a lot of bad ideas that have come out of Germany over the last 200 years. Um, but one of them also came from a man, he's a German philosopher born in 1844, Friedrich Nietzsche. Nietzsche, Nietzsche. I'm Texan, remember? <laughs> anyway, he was, you have to kind of know what's going on in the mid-1800s, okay? And that is enlightenment. Uh, in other words, a dumbing down of, <laughs> really, of mankind. But they began to challenge and try to challenge the infallible, inspired word of God. They tried to begin to replace God and theism with, uh, especially monotheism, the true relationship of Jesus Christ, with anything but culture and music and entertainment and all these things. And so he began a phrase to challenge the authority of God. And that was, I have told you my truth, now tell me your truth. Again, that is a lie and a direct attack on the true inspired word of God. You know, how quick we will believe a lie this into our life. We'll, we'll believe a lie. Somebody will say something negative about us. Somebody tells me I'm ugly, I believe it. Okay, but somebody tells me, hey, you're a good looking man. I'm like, I think maybe you're lying. <laughs> it's gonna take a little more convincing. No, but it's the truth. We will believe lies more quickly than we'll believe the truth. You know, it's the same thing for little kids when they hear a bad word for the first time, right? You know, they hear shucky, shucky, darn, darn, 
you know, and they'll glom on to that word, but you try to teach them something positive, they won't. I have a young man who works for me. He had a toddler, and he smashed his fingers uh, in a grill. And so she's standing over here, and he said, shucky, shucky, darn, darn. Anyway, uh, the little girl, she starts, I mean, she glommed onto it, and she's over here saying it, and he's like, you gotta quit saying that before mommy gets home. I will give you whatever you want. You know, before, we, there's another Greek word called metanoia. Have you ever heard that word, metanoia? You have. You just may not realize it, and it's the word repent. When we repent, a lot of times we think, oh, God, just forgive me. And it is true. We're saying, God, I'm sorry. But more importantly, the word metanoia, the reverence of that word is to change the way that we think. When I come into repentance and into a relationship with Jesus Christ, and I align my thought structure with that of the word, then guess what? I begin to change the way I think. I can tell you so many places in my life where that has happened because I line my thinking up with that of Jesus. So false doctrine and false prophets are nothing new. In fact, they came into the early church right off the back. So first, second, third John, okay, or one, two, three John, whichever one you want to say. The, he was, what John was doing, he wrote five books in the New Testament, the Gospel John, right, one, two, three, John, and Revelation. And the, the three books, one, two, three, the epistles, are addressing an issue called Gnosticism that has already risen up inside the church. And so Gnosticism was this false heretical belief that Jesus, that, sorry, that uh, anything physical is evil and anything spiritual is holy. And so he's addressing the church saying, this is a heretical statement. Jesus came in the flesh. That is a tenet of our faith. Because he hung on that cross, he bore our stripes, he bled for you, and then he raised, God raised him from the dead. Let me tell you something, the spirit doesn't need that. Him coming physically changes everything. So if we go to 1 John and we're looking at John 4, beginning in verse 1, it says, Beloved, I do, sorry, beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this, you know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. You know, the Antichrist spirit came on the scene from the very beginning. From the very beginning. In a recent podcast that I did on Digging, on the Tru digging for the Truth, there's one called, I did called Babylon, the uh, Apostasy in the Last Days. And I talk about Nimrod. So Nimrod was the original prototype of the Antichrist. He said, we are going to replace God with us. We can be our own gods. And so what did they do? They built the Tower of Babel. And it's an interesting podcast. You ought to go, if you haven't listened to it, go listen to it. I show some things in there. Sometimes when you can get a visual that connects you back to history and it ties it to the word, it increases your faith. But what's interesting about 1, 2, 3, John, so he says, do not even entertain. Don't even talk to those people if they come talking about that. Well, by 3rd John, there was already somebody who set themselves up in the church, and they weren't even receiving John. <laughs> I mean, the enemy wants to try to tear down and break down the fabric of the church. So how do we discern lies from the truth? Well, 1 John 5, 8, for there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit, these three are one. The triune God, right? Well, who is the Word? So here they're referring to Jesus 
is the word. Well, what does John 1, 1 say? In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. You understand that Jesus himself is the word of God. The inspired, the Bible, it is the inspired truth. It is, when we read it, it is alive. It is Jesus Christ, Holy Spirit, talking directly to you. So I'm gonna continue to read this, and it says, beginning in verse two, he was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the the life of the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. How many of you understand that the light of Jesus Christ and the darkness of Satan are complete polar opposites, and they cannot, and the darkness can never understand the truth of Jesus Christ? You know, if we continue on in John, First uh, John, chapter four, beginning in verse four, you are of God, little children. And I always like how he says that, little children. It's like, y'all are so stupid. I'm gonna break it down for you like little kids, all right? Uh, sorry, I had, a, had my, my brain started. I was fixing to tell you, how many of y'all have ever raised sheep? Yeah. You know, Jesus calls us sheep a lot. It's not a compliment. <laughs> I'm just saying. All right. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are of the world, therefore they speak as of the world, and the world hears them. We are of God. He who knows God hears us. He who is not of God does not hear us. By this we know the spirit of truth, aletheia, and the spirit of error, plane. I'm gonna break those two down. The spirit of truth is who? It's the Holy Spirit, right? He comes, he speaks truth to us, aletheia, truth. But the spirit of error is who? Satan, plane is that Greek word, and it's a wandering, it's the antichrist spirit, okay? A fig, deceit, delusion. Y'all see delusion sitting in the world right now? It is so sad. And listen, this morning, I'm going to say some hard things, and it sounds like I'm being harsh, I'm not. I'm going to, all I'm gonna do is speak truth. And if, if we really love people who are living lives of sin, who are stuck, if we do not speak truth to them, they will hear it no place else. We cannot, there is no redemption in condoning sin. You understand? No redemption in condoning sin. Second Timothy, beginning in verse four, or sorry, chapter four, beginning in verse three. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth, aletheia, and wander off into myths. I see this. It's inside the church. It's everywhere. In fact, I saw something the other day that just turned my stomach. I see the the, the church and the, the, the beautiful, the pulpit, the sanctity of this place being defiled all across the world. You know, to condone sin because you don't want to hurt somebody's feelings. Let me tell you something. As soon as you begin to believe a lie and replace, you know, truth with that lie, destruction is right ahead. So point number one. So I said this in the first, how many were here when Paxton preached? Y'all remember? He gave a great word. Yeah. Uh, He had 11 points and I told him I have 15. I just had to beat him. (laughs) It's not true. I only have three. They're just long points. (laughs) All right, if you do not know what truth is, then you will believe a worldly or demonic lie. Small though it may be at first, just a nugget. Then you'll believe the next lie, and then the next lie. And then, 
The truth is the lie to you, and the lie is the truth. Let me give you an example. I feel like a girl, so I am a girl. I'm not picking. How sad is that? You know, in the trans community, you know what the, they don't talk about this. Do you know what the percentage of suicide attempts are? Over 70%. Now, not all of those are successful, but and, and anybody who tries to detransition, what do they do? They shut them up and they're mean to these people. What does Genesis 127 say? In the big, God created us in his image. In his image, he created male and female. He created them. There's only two genders. I'm not being ugly. I'm not being mean. I'm speaking truth. Because if we just give in to the lie and just support and condone a lie, we are doing nobody any good. Nobody. The very first thing in the garden that was attacked, the very first attack on mankind, you know what it was? The authority of the word of God. That's the very first thing that Satan attacked. It wasn't a physical attack or anything else. He says, did God really say? Let's, let's read it. Genesis 3, beginning in verse 1. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of uh, the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it. Flee the very appearance of evil, people, right? That's what he's saying in the very beginning, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will surely not die, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And we know how that worked out. The enemy comes in and he begins to tell a lie. How many of y'all are married? Let me tell you, the accuser of the brethren is quick to show up in your marriage. I have an amazing wife. I've married up like five weight classes above my, my, my station, okay? And if you know Brandy, <laughs> you agree. So, but the thing about that is, is that as, as amazing as our relationship has been, the accuser shows up on sometimes the smallest thing. The other day, we're getting ready for something, and I'm just gonna move something, and the enemy accused both of us. I'm like, we looked at each other like, that was stupid. I mean, we, we were mad at each other, and it never went anywhere. Because we immediately knew that that was the accuser. It was over the smallest thing. The enemy tries to show up and destroy anything that resembles God. So <laughs> we have a tendency as a culture and society to believe more in a fallible man than the infallible creator of the universe. So we have to, when this is the case, then we have to, to be the arbiters, the judges of what is right and what is wrong. And we become very confused. So in Ephesians 4.11, it talks about the fivefold ministry. I, so that's the, you know, the pastors and the teachers, the apostles, you know, and the evangelists of which I am. I'm an evangelist through and through. And so the conversation used to begin at a different place. Like people knew that they were broken they knew that they needed help. They knew that they were in sin. But now, when I begin a conversation, depending on the generation, I have to, it's like, you have to go back here and say, do you not realize that this is sin? Well, what is sin? Well, what is truth? 
the construct and the conversation is completely different now. That's what the enemy has done. And you know how he's done it? Right here. If you don't know what I do for a living, I'm in technology. I have a technology business. But I would be the first person, if given the opportunity, to kill the internet worldwide. This is what has done more destruction than anything else in relationships. When I sit with people who are dealing with infidelity or all these other problems, or even, you know, areas of insecurity and anxiety, it always begins here. Social media is of the devil. I'm just telling you. So what does the world say? Well, do whatever makes you happy. Be your own moral judge. Be your own master. Even be your own God. Y'all see these? I'm not exaggerating. They literally are saying that is the message that is being sent out to millennials and Gen Z on TikTok, which is a demonic platform, saying, be your own God. Be your own God. Let me show you how to be your own God. And life is so much better. You don't have to, all that stuff those other people are saying you're doing wrong, they're wrong if you're your own God. That's what they're saying. Live your truth, right? Decide what's good for you. Cut off any friends and relationships that don't make you happy. Don't have kids. This is one that really bothers me. Don't have kids because, you know, what? having kids is going to be tough, and it will get in the way of your happiness. Let me tell you something. There's no greater sacrifice and a beautiful thing than to raise and sacrificially pour into another generation that are going to go out and profess the name of Jesus. You know, my girl was singing here, but it was just a minute ago, just a minute that I remember she was, we brought her home, and she said, a little bitty thing, sit up on my shoulder. But I love seeing my kids stand before the world proclaiming Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. Nothing makes me happier. What does the world say? Don't give sacrificially to your marriage. Because you know what? In the end, it's not going to make you happy. If this person doesn't make you happy, go find somebody else that will. That is so common and so wrong. If you're your own God, then the only thing that matters is your own happiness. So before I met Brandy, and I think I mentioned it, so I'm the cello player, um, but I had a buddy who was, uh, he was playing in this studio uh, for a, a Christian album, and they needed a cellist. They didn't know any good ones, so they called me. Anyway, I went in and I recorded, and so this guy, he was a worship leader at another church here in town, and so he was married, had four kids, um, you know, and I went in, first time I ever met him was in the studio, and as I was, he's, we're recording and stuff. I mean, I could tell he's kind of arrogant. But I invited him to, uh, to dinner after that. I bought his dinner. And I sat there. He, he had these little demo tapes and stuff like that. Someday these were going to be worth a lot of money. And I was like, wrong message for a Christian artist, buddy. And so it wasn't much longer. He didn't, he didn't have a lot of success there. <clears throat> he began to hang out with an atheist professor from WT. 2 Corinthians 6. I think in four, uh, verse 14, I meant to look it up in between services. I think that's right. But it says, do not be yoked with unbelievers for what lawlessness and righteousness, what do they have in common? They don't. Notice it didn't say don't be around unbelievers. That's not what it says. It says do not be yoked, linking ourselves to the unbelievers. In other words, allowing them an ear to tell us lies. And that's exactly what happened. He began to believe the lie. Denounced his faith, left his wife, said I'm going to Hollywood so I can get rich Kids clinging to his, you know, leg, crying, Daddy, please don't go, because, hey, I got to go. I'm going to be famous and rich. Guess what? Destroyed a lot of lives, including his. And, by the way, he did not become famous or rich. There's never been a more lonely generation than right now. So millennials 
are, were born between 1981 and 1996. <clears throat> and there was a recent study that came out that said that 75% of millennials are depressed. They don't even want to get out of bed in the morning. What blew my mind, though, was the next statistic. Over 70%, 70% of this generation are on at least one anxiety medication. Could not believe that number. Over 48% <clears throat> are on two or more medications. Well, <clears throat> this was the first generation that really tried to live that playbook. So if we're told to continually, you know, seek our and prioritize our own happiness, then why is everybody so sad and angry and depressed? And it's simple, <clears throat> because they've rejected the truth. We must stand on the infallible word of God. Marty Rowley and I did a podcast. <clears throat> it's episode 10, I think. And in that podcast, we talk about, is the Bible, the entire Bible true? Let me go ahead and tell you that it is. I'm going to give you a couple more references here in a minute. But <clears throat> the thing about that, excuse me, I haven't talked this much in a while, is that they want to kill any truth in the word. You know, let me give you one little point before we move on. In 1947, something pretty significant happened. There was a little shepherd boy who threw a rock into a cave and heard a clay pot shatter. Well, the scholars of the time were trying to say that the book of Daniel and some parts of Isaiah were written around 200 AD. What did the book of Daniel talk about and Isaiah? It prophesies the coming Messiah, Jesus Christ, the things he did, right? Well, that little shepherd boy broke a clay pot. You know what was in them? The Dead Sea Scrolls. And those Dead Sea Scrolls had proven the validity and the truth of the scripture and predated Jesus by over 200 years. God's timing is always perfect. And he reveals truth in perfect timing. What happened in 1948? God was moving. Israel became a nation in one day. You see, God's timing is always perfect. So number two, we need to stand for the word of God. Uh, <clears throat> there's a recent poll that came out, a Gallup poll, and it says that you know, people believe that moral values in the U.S. are, are at a new low. 54% say poor, 33% say fair, 74% of Republicans say poor, 97% though all think that morals are getting worse. But here's the interesting thing. When I was reading this, I was like, well, what is their barometer of moral? You know, it was kind of not too long ago, I saw that there was this atheist ethics counselor, professor, and I thought to myself, hold on a minute, an atheist ethics authority. That doesn't even make sense to me. There's only one authority. There can only be one truth, and it is the infallible word of God. If you don't start there, everything else is off. But let me say, though, even the lost and the world agree that things are messed up. We just got to direct them to the truth. So in our life group, towards, before the end of the, this last semester, <clears throat> we were having a conversation, and Gary Hall uh, made a statement, and he said, you know, we're about to enter a time as the church where it's going to cost us something. You know, we've had a pretty good go of it, we can, and we still do live in the freest nation on earth. I believe that, okay? 
but it's gonna, standing for Jesus Christ is gonna cost you something. Let me tell you something, that is treasure in heaven. You wanna do this. I wanna read you a couple of stories. This is a story out of the UK. David, uh, Dr. David Macrath, he's 60 years old, lost his job at the Department for Work and Pensions, the DWP, under the National Health Service four years ago. He confessed that he could not refer to patients by their gender identity instead of their biological sex during a work training session because of his Christian beliefs. Macrath said that his supervisor pressured him to refer to a man who was six foot tall with a beard as she and Mrs., but he refused. Macrath had been practicing for 26 years when he lost his job with the DWP in 2019. He filed a lawsuit against his former employer for religious discrimination, but lost his claim before the employment tribunal just three months later. The tribunal ruled his biblical beliefs on gender were, and I quote, incompatible with human dignity. How undignified is it for me to call somebody something they're not? To lie to that person. You don't want to get, you want to show somebody dignity? Tell them who they are in Jesus. Now, don't get me wrong. There's a lot of false prophets out there, and they're saying truth on some things, but they're doing it all the wrong way. Truth without love is dead. Okay, but love without truth is weak. We've got to speak truth the right way. So there's a scripture, probably my favorite scripture in James 1, 2 through 4. You have to understand, we're going to face trials. It says, whenever you're faced with trials of any kind, consider it nothing but joy. For the testing of your faith will produce fruit, endurance. And through that, we'll have endurance. Let me tell you something. We are going to be in a battle. We are going to, if you're going to stand for Jesus Christ, you're going to have to, you're going to go through tribulations. Praise the Lord. I love this next story. Came out July 3rd on Fox News. Take that for whatever you want to take it for. But it's a neat story. Pastor Yang Jibo and his wife Wang Jiofei, by the way, they're pastors in China, who led the Jun Siding Church, have been slapped with a combined fine of 400,000 yuan, or roughly $55,100 for organizing religious activities, according to the Texas-based nonprofit China Aid, which keeps an eye on Christian persecution in China. And the pastors quoted, are quoted saying this, thank God for allowing us to have a part in his affliction, and especially thankful that on earth we have no property for the court-enforced implementation, which we're definitely a great grace of God. In other words, they're saying, thank you, Jesus, that we are broke and have nothing because we can't pay them anyway. You know, it makes me think of Corey Ten Boom. You know, when they, if you don't know who Corey Ten Boom is, she's one of the heroes of our faith, an amazing woman. You ought to go listen to her testimony. But she and her, they were persecuted. They were protecting Jews, okay? But they, they were thrown in, they're Christians, and they were thrown into a concentration camp. And where they were, there were all these fleas. And they hated the fleas. I mean, they, but what happened was they, the, 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 the Nazis, the guards wouldn't come into this area because of the fleas. And so because the fleas, they were allowed or able to have a Bible study, a little church service covered in fleas, and they thank God for the fleas. There's another person. How many of y'all have ever heard the book Pilgrim's Progress? If you haven't heard of John Bunyan, here's another man who was persecuted. It's a great story. There's an animated film. Y'all should watch it as a family. But basically, it's an allegory. It's a story of our walk in our Christian faith. And he was, he wrote this book like 350 years ago. He was born like in the 1630s, 
The book was released in 1678. And he, when he wrote it, so in 1660 in England, it's called the Stuart Restoration Act, and basically it prevented anybody from preaching unauthorized message. Well, he didn't care. He preached Jesus anyway. And they threw him in jail, and it's only initially supposed to be for three months. But that three months turned into 12 years because every time they said, well, are you going to quit preaching the message? And he's like, nope, throw me back in jail. And in there, while he was in prison, he wrote The Pilgrim's Progress. It's a really good story. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, beginning in verse 12, yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. But evil men and imposters will grow, worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through the faith which is in Christ Jesus. But listen to this. This is important right here, beginning in verse 16. All Scripture, say all Scripture. All Scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Say righteousness. We need righteousness. That the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I will continually tell people about Jesus Christ. And I'll tell you what, I recently had a birthday and God gave me a birthday. I was out in the backyard fixing to grill. We eat late, so it's like seven o'clock. I don't know, it's late, 7.30. And <clears throat> doorbell rings and of course, if there's a man outside and all the little girls, we have five kids, four girls, but the little girls are like, daddy, there's a scary man outside. And so I was like, for my birthday, God sent me a millennial young man who lost his faith and was doubting the divinity of Christ. And I think, yes, I get to tell this guy about Jesus. And an hour later, <laughs> we finished up. I mean, it was amazing. We talked about whatever he's wanting to sell for a few minutes. But the rest of it, I'd be up all kinds of cracks in the foundation that he had built of the lie. That's what we're supposed to do. And <clears throat> when I, I think the little girls were asking Brandy, well, what's daddy doing? And, and she's like, Telling him about Jesus. That's what we're supposed to do. Nothing else matters if you do not have Jesus. That's all that matters. We think that we're building up these businesses and this, all these futures for ourselves. But let me tell you something. All of that's going to go away. The only thing that matters is Jesus Christ and those people that we tell about Jesus Christ. Do you know what the currency in heaven is? It ain't money. God owns everything. It's people. He cares about each and every one of us. And that leads me to my last point, to receive and defend your promised land. Do you know that you have a promised land? You have a promised land in your marriage, in your business, in your finances, in your struggles, in your, wherever you're struggling, but God has a promised land for you. He has this land filled with milk and honey and peace but there are giants on that land. In John 14, 6, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you want to step into your promised land, it begins with a relationship with Jesus Christ. You can't even know your promised land without Jesus. You can't know your identity without Jesus. If you don't know your identity, you can't know your purpose. In my home, if you go ask any of my little kids, What's daddy's number one rule? They'll all say, always tell the truth. And the reason that's my number one rule 
is because when I was a kid, I would lie sometimes when the truth was better. And I know what that did to me as a young person, how the enemy would shame me before I had a relationship with Jesus, how the enemy would shame me and call me and say, you're just a liar. And that was the lie. In John 8, beginning in verse 31, then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered him, but we are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you'll be made free? But remember this, listen to this next part, it's important. And Jesus answered them, most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits a sin is a slave to sin. And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be what? Free indeed. That's absolutely right. So what was on the promised land? There were a lot of giants. Here for long, I'm gonna actually do a podcast. I've been doing a lot of research. It's really interesting about the antediluvian giants and the post-flood giants and who they are. We're gonna read a little bit of scripture about them here in a minute, but let me tell you something. There are giants in that land, but we need to understand it's a promise. Look at Genesis 15, verse 17. And it came to pass when the sun went down and it was dark, that behold, there appeared a smoking oven and a burning torch that passed between those pieces. And on the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham, saying, to your descendants, I have given this land from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates, the Kenites, the Kenizzites, the Cabanites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Raphaim, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Girgashites, and the Jebusites. That's a lot of ites. Okay, but there's a podcast I've been putting together on this piece too, and it takes all of that land. Let me just give you one, the Hittites. That was basically all of Turkey. There's some on the west that wasn't, covered, that wasn't occupied by the Hittites, but think about it. The land included parts of Egypt, Jordan, Saudi Arabia, Syria, Lebanon, Turkey, Iraq, Kuwait. How much did they take? It's a little bitty sliver. You know why? Because there were giants on the land and they chickened out. That's the really, we're gonna read that. It's more scriptural here in a minute. But that's the bottom line. They took part of it and said, whew, we'll just go ahead and leave it. But what did they leave on that land? Giants. And what did those giants do? Constantly attacked them and bombarded them and eroded their border. You have a promised land. You have to believe that you have a promised land. God has told you and, and set up something inside your heart. And sometimes it's more than one promised land. I'll tell you what, one of my promised lands is this woman sitting over here, my wife. We have a beautiful marriage, married over 20 years now. Love her more than I've ever loved her. The worst thing I think anyone could ever say is I love my wife as much as the day I met her. What an insult. I love this woman. And that's a promised land. But there were giants that we had to fight through in our marriage. But we conquered them. Let's look at, I'm not gonna read it all, but let's go to Numbers. In chapter 13, and I'm actually just gonna go ahead and jump to verse 27. So, Moses has sent spies into the promised land. And of the spies that come back, only two give a positive report. And everybody else's knees are knocking. Let's go to verse 27. It says, we went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey. And this is its fruit. So they bring it back. You can even taste the fruit. And everybody 
the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. So Anak is a reference to defiled flesh between angels, fallen angels, and man. And I'm going to actually teach on this on digging for the truth here for long. It's really interesting. So there were still, and you're like, well, this isn't this post-flood? Yeah, we're going to talk about that on the podcast. But let's jump down to verse 30. And then what did Caleb say? Caleb's fired up, man. He says, he quieted everybody. He's like, hey, y'all, quit complaining. Quit complaining. Let me just say this. Let's go kick their tail. That's the short version. Let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. How many of you know that God has given you promised land? But because the giants that are in front of you, you've taken your foot off the gas or said that it's not possible. I sit with a lot of people. I I love people. And I'll go to a lot of lunches and I'll have somebody struggling sitting right across from me. And they'll tell me, well, here's all my problems. It's over because that giant is just too big. I'm like, you know what? If you already believe that giant, you can't be defeated, then you've already lost. When I was a kid, I was a freshman in high school. I remember learning the power of making your mind up to beat the giant. And it had to do, I was in the state wrestling finals and I was losing. There were 30 seconds left. And I remember looking off and I saw the podium over there and I just, and I was, I decided in that moment, I looked over, it's like second place isn't good enough. I can beat this kid. And the minute that that clicked in my head, the kid was like a rag doll. I mean, he had, I mean, he had nothing for me. I threw him down, took him down, put him on his back and I won the match. I won state. That was a pivotal moment for me in my life. Not because I won state, but because I realized something right there, and it's the power of deciding I'm not going to let that giant defeat me. This was a kid that was in my head. So here's what I want to do. I want to do two things. Are you going to step into the promised land that God has for you? How many of you believe that God has a promised land for you? There's a lot more hands in this service than the last one. Good job. And I'll tell you this, is that you have absolute, absolute authority over the giants that are in that land. But it begins with having a relationship with Jesus Christ. I believe, and I know for a fact, that there's some people I saw look at me in the last service that did not know Jesus, and when given the opportunity, would not stand. I have, over the years, um, led hundreds of people to Jesus, many of them homeless and poor and broken. You know what? Those are my favorite people because they are totally broken. They know. They don't have all the facade of the world. They don't have the the income, the home, you know, the keeping up with the Joneses stuff. They're broken. They know they're broken, and they know they need Jesus. And it is beautiful when I stand before them and say, I mean, you you can say nothing during the service and say, is anybody here want to enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ? I mean, just people stand and fall on their knees and like, yes. They are submitted. But the hardest group that I've ever preached to is everybody who's comfortable. When we get comfortable in the things and possessions, let me just go ahead and tell you, all that's gonna be tarnished and gone in the end anyway. 
If you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, it is the most important decision you will ever make in your life. I want you to do something. I want you to just close your eyes and, and bow your head for a minute. If you know that you were hit by a bus today, that you're saved and your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, praise the Lord. But there's some of you doubting it. If you want to make Jesus the Lord of your life and invite him in, I want you to raise your hand and to receive Jesus Christ. Romans 10, 9, it says that if you confess with your tongue and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ died, God raised him from the dead, you're saved. You wanna receive Jesus? Simply raise your hand and let us pray with you. All right, everybody look at me. There's some of you that have a giant in your land and you don't know how to get it off your land. You're having a struggling marriage, you have addiction, you have financial problems, you have a job you can't figure out how to get away from or, or to deal with or a horrible boss, whatever it may be, but I wanna tell you right now, you're not alone. I want you to look around you, this is the body of Christ and we're here to pray for each other. And so, if there's a giant on your land and you don't know how to kick it off, I want you to be bold right now and stand up. That's good, stand up. Let me tell you something, I know how bad it is out there. We all got problems. I believe there's more that need to stand up. What I want you to do is I'm gonna pray over you. For those that are standing, okay, I want the body of Christ. Let me tell you something, we're saved by grace, but. I want you to look at your hands. These are the healing hands of Jesus Christ. If you have a relationship with God, these are the healing hands of God. Not by anything that I have in me, but who is in me. So if you see somebody standing, I want you to come up around them and to put your hands, just put your hands on them. Just come, come around them and let's pray. Let's be the body of Christ and then we'll be done. Heavenly Father, we just bind the name, in the name of Jesus Christ, the spirit of affliction. We bind in the name of Jesus Christ, affirmities. We bind in the name of Jesus Christ, the lies and the accuser of the brethren who's trying to slip into marriage, into relationships. We bind addiction in the name of Jesus Christ. We bind depression, anxiety, a confused or foggy mind. We right now declare and stand on the absolute infallible word of God that Jesus Christ died on that cross and conquered everything our sin, our infirmities. He bore the stripes for us. And we declare that we are free because we serve Jesus Christ. And he has gone before us to make this moment happen. And I wanna tell you right now, if you hear me, listen. Not only is he doing it, but you gotta believe it. Stand on the word of God and profess the name of Jesus. Just say Jesus. Just say Jesus. The name of Jesus Christ, the authority in which is all His, we praise. In Jesus' name, we're gonna sing a song if the ministry team will come forward. Some of you might not be finished praying. Don't feel like you have to stop. If you need more prayer, we're gonna have people up here. Come forward. This is the most unused space in the church. Let's fall on our knees before Him. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast from the Church at Bushland. We hope you will stay connected by following the ministry on YouTube 
Facebook, and Instagram by using the Church of Bushland. We are all about people because God is all about people. We exist to help people know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference.